Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. How many of us would would acknowledge that we are in a major identity crisis in this country? And it's been very eye-opening to me over the past three, over the past four years to see the depths of the identity crisis that we're really dealing with to the point where people are now trying to discover their identity by becoming somebody else. Let me say it a different way. Where people are now trying to discover their identity by taking on somebody else's identity. Every single person in this room, we have struggled with our identity in some some shape, some form throughout our entire life. And how many of us know as a Christian, as a believer, understanding who we are in Jesus is vital to live a life of victory. When you say that. But one of the things that I'm really noticing in this country is that when I desire to be somebody else, or to take on somebody else's identity, or to find my identity through some other means, what what happens is this, is I create within myself a dual identity. And that means I now create an internal conflict that can only bring trauma to the soul. Am I ministering to anybody here? This is why it's so important for us to understand who we are in Christ. This is why it's so important for us as people is to really discover who we were created to be. And I don't know about you, the best way to understand who you are is by seeing yourself through the lens of your creator. Because when you see yourself through the lens of your creator God and allow him to define who you are, you won't see yourself as you are. You'll see yourself as you were created to be. Amen? I believe there's a certain set of lens that we need to have in our life today. If we're going to really walk in victory, if we're going to walk in joy, if we're going to walk in all the things that Christ died on the cross to give unto us is that we're going to have to form what I would call a biblical self-image. Are you hearing me? There is one person that you will never be able to escape from in your entire life. You know who that person is? You. When I was a pastor, I had this guy come up to me one time, and he says, William, I know what I need to do. I just need to go to a different church. He says, not only, not, not only that, I need to go to a different state. I, need to, I just need to get away from my problems. I said, there's only one issue with what you're saying. He says, what is that? I said, you are going to take you everywhere you go, which means your problems are going to follow you. I think we need to hear this in the church today. You cannot escape yourself, so you better learn to embrace who God designed you to be. When you try to escape yourself, you only end up imprisoning yourself. But this is a war a large part of the body of Christ. This is where a large part of the world is right now, is they're trying to escape their pain, escape their issues, escape their problems, escape their situations in life. 
and the issue is you cannot get away from you. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to James chapter 1. And this, I don't know what that means, but you can tell me later. Or I can get Blake to preach it to me. I kind of felt a little convicted after I saw him. I was like, man, I need to get a little more energetic. In James chapter 1, this is actually one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And I think it's pertinent to the season and time that we're in in this country, the season and time we're in as the church. But I want to connect it to forming a biblical self-image. And how many of us know we need to have a biblical self-image? A matter of fact, just the term or word self-image simply means this, a mental picture that you have of yourself. That means every single one of us, we have an image that we see on the inside, and that image determines who we become. Let me give you an example of this. If I tell you that God loves you unconditionally, but on the inside you see yourself as unlovable, you will be resistant to the love of God. And so you need to have the image that you see on the inside of yourself to be consistent with, the, with what God says about you, which means we need to have a good understanding of the word of God, amen? And so in James chapter 1 Verse 22, it begins this statement and says this, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, let's just stop right there for, for, for a moment. Just bear with me until I get to really, really where I really want to go. It says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but a doer. How many of us know there's really two forms of knowledge? There's an intellectual knowledge, intellectual understanding, and then there's experiential knowledge or experiential understanding. Intellectual knowledge is simply a collection of beliefs, a collection of information. That is like just being a hearer only. But having experiential knowledge or experiential understanding means the information that you have received, you now put into practice. In other words, experiential only understanding only comes by reason of use. And in this country, one of the things that I've realized in the church in America, one of the things that I've realized is that we value intellectual understanding, but we devalue experiential understanding. I mean, you can even go to school right now, you can go to college and get a business degree and learn from people that's never even owned a business. How many of us know when you go out to find a job, what business owners or business people are going to look for is people that have experience. You see, when you come to a church service and you come to Christianity and you just simply come and sit in a service and you hear the word and you hear truth, but you don't have a, an intention on applying that truth to your life, you become a hearer deceived in your walk. For example, I can, I can come up here and I can teach you a 10-step model of how to cast out a demon, but how many of us know until you're in a situation where that demon rises up and slaps you in the mouth, 
you're not going to fully understand how each, each point flows together and works together, right, until you put that bottle into practice. I'm here to tell you, you cannot come to church and simply be a hearer of the word only. You cannot simply come here and simply hear these truths about your identity because what will happen is you will only be encouraged in the moment. It goes on to say this. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. And now it gives us analogy. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And so now James chapter 1 right here gives us an imagery to look at. And the imagery that this, that this text gives us is it says, it is like a man looking at his face in a mirror. Anybody ever looked into a mirror before? Wow, I guess nobody. <laughs> and it begins to give this analogy, and this analogy is that as a person is looking in the mirror, what do you see when you look in a mirror? You see a reflection of yourself. Amen, right? Some of you, I can tell, has never thought about this. Do you realize that you and I have never actually seen our face directly? You and I have never seen our face. Matter of fact, if you try to look at your face right now, you can only see really the tip of your nose. You may see a little bit of your lips. You've never actually seen your face. You've only seen a reflection of your face. But how many of us have ever doubted that reflection? Let me say it to you a different way. How can you even trust that the reflection that you see is even accurate? You have to trust the accuracy of the mirror. And so in James chapter 1, it begins to describe this beautiful analogy. And it says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. In other words, it puts these two things together and it's like, and it says this, it is like a natural man looking into the mirror and he sees a reflection of who he is. It is just like coming to church service right now, hearing the word of God being preached and all of a sudden I'm giving you a reflection of who, what God says about you, of who God has decreed you to be in your life. It is like you coming and you're looking into the mirror, but if you have no intention on applying it, what will happen is you will forget the image as soon as you leave. It goes on to say this in James 1. Is this helping anybody? It says, for he observes himself, goes away immediately, immediately forgets what kind of man he is. See, any truth you don't put into practice, you forget. Let me try this out over here. Any truth you don't put into practice, you will forget. And this is why so many of us as Christians have struggled with our identity is because we are a hearer only. We make statements like this, well, I attend church every Sunday morning. I know who I am. I hear the, the pastor preach the word. I embrace it. But do you apply it? Everything in God's kingdom is unto something. And then it says this, but he who looks, what's the analogy? The mirror. 
but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. He says this, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Do you know what this text is really saying? In the same way that you look in a natural mirror to see a reflection of your natural self is the same way that you look into the word of God, the spiritual mirror, to see a reflection of your spiritual self. When I read these texts back in 2005, 2006, and the Lord was teaching me about developing a biblical self-image, because I came out of a lot of brokenness, I came out of a lot of bondage, I came out of a lot of addiction and hurt. When I got saved, I didn't see myself the way God sees me. I still viewed myself through the lens of my history and not my destiny. And there's still many of you here today, the image that you have on the inside is simply through the lens of who you used to be. In other words, you need to realize that you have become a new creation in your spirit. When you became born again, your spirit became joined with God and you became new. Oh. And the only way that you can see an accurate reflection of yourself is by looking into the word of God and allowing that word to form an image on the inside of you of who you actually called to be. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I understand I need to put this into practice. And I said, but how can I partner with this in the natural? How can I put this into practice and apply this to my life? And this is what the Lord actually told me to do. He says, William, I want you to go and look into the mirror in your bathroom, and I want you to preach the word to yourself. Now, keep in mind, in 2005, I didn't have a ministry. I wasn't a pastor at that time. I never even preached a message to anybody. And the first person that God wanted me to preach to was myself. Amen. Some of you, I could tell, you need to go home and preach to yourself when you get home. You can ask my wife. I still do this to this day. Like if I wake up on the bad side, on the wrong side of the road, if my hair is out of place or something, you know what? I go and look in the mirror and I preach to myself and get myself right. You know, and, and, and I partnered with this, and this is what I found. I was thinking this was going to last a day, two days, three days. I was thinking this maybe even last a week. I ended up doing this every single day for one solid year. And I wasn't doing it for 20 or 30 minutes at a time. I was only doing it for about five or six or seven minutes at a time. But this is what I found. As I began to get the word of God, force myself to make eye contact and preach truth to me, what I began to notice is that I began to see the reflection of that truth in me. Do you know what I was doing? I was using the word of God to form a new image on the inside. To be honest with you, the first time that I tried to do it, I took 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, he made him who knew no sin to become sin so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ, right? I took that text and I was looking in the mirror and every time I would get to the point where it says, I am the righteousness of God, I would break eye contact. Because I realized I didn't believe it. The image that I saw on the inside was inconsistent with the truth. 
And so you know what it really forced me to do? It really forced me to embrace the word of God. It really forced me to make eye contact and say, you know what, no, William, I know what these lies are about you, but you're going to have to believe this about yourself. I'm here to tell you, you're going to have to leave here today. You have to make a conscious effort that you are going to see an image on the inside of what God has decreed about you, not what man has decreed, not what the world has decreed, but what God has decreed. And the first time that I did this and I was preaching it and I said, William, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And all of a sudden, all the hair on my head stood up, you know, <laughs> amen. It just scared me to death and I realized I don't really believe this. I have an intellectual understanding of that I'm righteous, but I don't have an experiential understanding that I'm righteous because I cannot embrace it. After I began to do this, at the end of this year, one of the things that happened was I became so set free, so set free by the word of God. Why? Because I was constantly using the word to form new images on the inside. Again, every single one of us, you have an image that you see. The question is, what is that image? Is it consistent with the word or is it consistent with the world? If I tell you that God loves you, do you see yourself as unlovable? If I tell you that you are righteous, do you see yourself as unrighteous? If I decree that, that by Christ's wounds you are healed, do you see yourself sick? Boy, it's mighty quiet in this charismatic church. You guys are thinking about this. And after I did this for a solid year, I asked the Lord, I said, how can I partner with this even more? He says, William, I've actually called you to minister the word of God, but I've also called you to minister to the nations of the world. He said, I want you to begin to see yourself ministering to people. Listen, if you don't see yourself healing the sick, you never will. If you don't see yourself casting out the devils, you never will. If you don't see yourself prophesying, you never will. If you don't see yourself in your destiny, you'll never step in your destiny. And at the time, I was so shy and I was such an introvert that it freaked me out. I wasn't like Blake. It just freaked me out to talk to people. And the Lord says, William, I've called you to stand before millions. I've called you to stand before thousands. I've called you to stand before the world and proclaim the gospel. He says, but you've got to change the image on the inside. And you've got to see yourself being valuable enough and worthy enough because of what I've done for you. You've got to see yourself standing in that moment. Because if you don't see yourself in the moment, the moment will never occur. If you don't see yourself in your destiny, you'll never reach your destiny. Let me give you an analogy. When you use a GPS system, how many of us know, you'll, you'll put the address in the GPS system and what happens? And you press the button, it pulls up your destination, right? Destiny. But how many of us know if you get in your car, you use your GPS system, it pulls up your destination, but if you don't start moving, how many of us know you're never going to get to that destination? How many of us know if you don't even start moving, Siri is not even going to talk to you? In other words, the GPS system can only give direction to people that are in motion. 
in like manner, it's not just enough to see where God wants you to be. You actually have to put one foot in front of the other and begin to move in that direction because only in that place of movement can God speak to you. God can only give direction to people that are in motion. And people come up to me all the time and say, William, I know I'm called to minister to the nations of the world. And I always ask them, well, what are you doing right now? Well, I'm waiting for God to open up the opportunity. No, preparation creates the opportunity. And right now, you're not prepared to answer the door of opportunity. So guess what? The door of opportunity will never be open to you. And I would always say to him, how about this? Go to your pastor at your church and ask him, where can I get plugged in? Where can I begin to serve? What are you doing? You're, you're moving so that now God can give you direction. You know destiny. You know where God wants to take you. But to get there, you've got to start moving. And to get there, you've got not, not just able to see it. You've got to move in that direction. And so now God can tell you, say, hey, when you get to the stop, stop sign, take a right. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. You guys are really thinking about what I'm saying. <laughs> and so I went to my pastor and I asked my pastor, I said, where can I get plugged in? And guess the first thing he told me to do, he says, well, we, we have a two-acre lot out here that you can start mowing the grass. And I was like, but pastor, God has called me to minister to the nations of the world. How can I get there by mowing the grass? That's how a lot of people respond to it. No, see, God will put you in situations to test your heart. If he cannot trust you to mow the lawn, he can't trust you to cast out demons in the backwoods of Africa somewhere. If he can't trust you to serve your local church, what makes you think he can trust you serving the global church? And all of a sudden, I started embracing it. I still saw the image. I still knew where God wanted to take me, but I'm just applying it. I'm just putting this into practice. I'm just, I'm just moving, right? I don't know how, how I am right now in this season is going to get me there, but I know this. When I start moving, God can now begin to give me direction. And if I find myself in a situation that I'm not anointed for, like children's ministry, praise God. <laughs> Some of you are like, amen, brother. Some of you have served in children's ministry and you came out wanting to strike. Anyway, I, I get it. But how did you know that you weren't anointed for that? You were moving. You got plugged in. You got going. And I remember I'm sitting out there cutting grass one day and I started praying in tongues and I started worshiping God and I started shifting my motivation in what I was doing and I started embracing the season that I was in and looking at it as an opportunity to prepare me for the season he was taking me to. And I told myself this, I said, you know what, I'm going to become the best grass cutter there is in the state of Alabama. This grass is going to look amazing. I'm going to encounter Jesus out here. I have two hours of unhindered prayer. 
All of a sudden, I started encountering the Holy Spirit out there cutting grass. That was one time I fell off the lawnmower. I mean, the Holy Spirit hit me. I got drunk and fell off the lawnmower. The pastor pulled up and says, William, what are you doing? I says, I'm encountering Jesus. And all of a sudden, I began to realize I'm preparing myself. After cutting grass for one solid year, the pastor came to me. Why? Because he saw my faithfulness. He saw that I was willing to do something. He saw that I was willing to put the word into practice. He says, William, I've been watching you for this solid year. He says, I see the anointing on your life. I see God is doing something specific with you. He said, will you come to, me, to the county jail with me? I want to give you an opportunity to minister the word, to share your testimony. Well, he didn't know I just spent a year preaching to myself in the mirror. He didn't even know. Listen, during that year, my, my neighbor, a neighbor moved in beside me, and my neighbor uh, came over to my house, and they were going to give me a housewarming gift, right, just to be a good neighbor. And it was this little 10-year-old girl, and this little 10-year-old girl had a box in her hand. And she hands me this box, and she says, I'm your new neighbor. I just want to bless you. It was her mom and her, and her. And I opened up this little box, and inside the little box was this little black kitten. Now, I'm from Alabama. And plus, I love dogs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like pit bulls. I like Dobermans. That's just the way it is. And so I open this box and I see this little black kitten and I'm like, man, I don't really want a cat, but I can't rebuke this girl. She says, I don't want your cat, little girl. <laughs> and then I can't get rid of this cat because I know this girl's going to ask me about that cat the next time I see this girl. And so I take the cat in and one day I'm in the, I'm in the bathroom, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm preaching to myself and I noticed that this cat came in and started listening to me. <laughs> I know this is weird. <laughs> But you know what? Romans chapter 8 says all of creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. You got to start somewhere, amen. And so here I am one day, I'm preaching to myself in the mirror, I'm speaking the truth to myself, and I notice that I named my cat Cookie because I like chocolate chip cookies. And, and so Cookie comes in and she's listening to me, and I said, you know what? I had this idea. I'm going to start practicing the altar call on my cat, Amen. <laughs> You got to start somewhere. You got to start moving somewhere. You got to see yourself ministering to somebody. Man, if you can't minister to people, minister to your dog. Some of you got animals that need deliverance. I'm telling you. They sniff stuff they don't need to be sniffing. They lick people in places that, anyway. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Jesus. And so I start practicing the altar call on, the, on, on, the, on Cookie, and I'm like, now, can I get to the place where it's time for Cookie to receive Jesus? And I'm like, Cookie, do you want to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? And this cat just looking at me like, this dude is an idiot. And I do this for several weeks. But finally, and this is no lie, this is no joke, Finally, I get to the point where I'm like, I, I'm preaching to myself to the point the anointing's falling on me. And, I'm con and, and listen, I'm confessing sins to myself. I'm like, and I'm getting myself right before Jesus. I'm like, man, the anointing's flowing. 
And so I said, now's the time for Cookie to respond. And so I look over at Cookie and I says, now Cookie, I think today is your day. Today is the day of salvation, Cookie. And today is the day that your moment in time is for you to get delivered. And I looked at Cookie and I said, now Cookie, do you want to receive Jesus? And this is no lie. This cat looks at me and says, meow. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, my cat got saved. I just go berserk and I'm like, oh my God, the cat just got saved. Like, thank you, Jesus. And then it dawned on me. I says, man, if I can lead an animal to Jesus, people ain't no problem. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you guys this story. Because some of you are already thinking I was weird before. And so this is the context in which my pastor says, William, we've been watching you. I'm like, from where from? I hope you weren't looking in my window at my house. Seeing me leave my cat to Jesus, praise God. He says, well, we've been watching you, and we see an anointing on your life, and we want to give you an opportunity to share. So he didn't know I'd been preaching to myself in the mirror for a year. He didn't know I got my, my cat saved, amen. And he, he didn't know this stuff, but all I'm doing is I'm preparing it. Not only do I see what God wants to do, to do with me on the inside, I'm actually putting feet to it. I'm putting one foot in front of the other. I'm moving in that direction. I'm practicing the word. I'm putting it into application. Only when you put the word into practice do you learn how to apply truth to your life. And so I get to the county jail, and the way the county jail is designed is there's 10 cells in this, this local jail, and there's like five or six people in each cell. And so, and so we start talking, and he's preaching at each one, and, and hindsight's really... You know, 2020, I look back at it, and there's a reason he waited for me to start the, the last one. That way, if I mess it up, you know, all the other nine can be blessed at least, you know. And so we get all the way to the last cell, but my pastor doesn't know. I've been, I've been ready for this. I prepared myself for this moment. You see, when you see yourself in, the, in your destiny, you see yourself in the moment, and then you've prepared yourself in the moment, when that opportunity comes, it's not too big for you. And as soon as he looked at me, kind of like, tag, you're it. And as soon as he looked at me, he says, William, go ahead and preach your word. All of a sudden, I started ministering the word. Every person in the cell, they fell down. They began to weep. They began to cry. They cry out to Jesus. And they give their lives to Christ right there on the spot. Why? Because I had prepared myself for the moment. Some of you, listen, some of us, we want God to do these great, wonderful things in our lives, but the image we see on the inside is inconsistent. I'm preaching to somebody in this room. And all of a sudden, this started a two-year period where I began to minister in this county jail and then at the end of these two years, the Lord started challenging me again. He says, William, I haven't just called you to minister just to these people in the jail. Do not become comfortable with where you are. 
He says, remember, I'm calling you to the nations of the world. He said, I need you to picture yourself. I need you to see yourself ministering. I need you to see yourself raising the dead. I need you to see yourself healing the sick. I need you to see yourself casting out demons. And so then I started practicing, putting this into practice by going to this local convenience store and standing at the gas pumps and, and people would come in and get gas. This was before it was $5 a gallon. And, and I would, <laughs> amen. And, I, and I, would, I would watch these people get gas and I would either pay for their gas or pray for them, right? And I'd do this for like two months and people began to encounter Jesus. But what I didn't know was there, there was a manager in the store watching me do this the whole time. And one day this manager comes out and says, excuse me, sir, I've been watching you come out here every day for, for a month, month and a half. I see you touching people. I see you talking with them. Sometimes they're crying. Sometimes they're laughing. Sometimes they're on the ground. Like, what in the world are you doing? I said, well, I'm a Christian. And I'm here practicing hearing the voice of God. And I'm here praying for people. And she said, you're kidding I said, no. She said, I'm, I'm an atheist. She said, and I prayed last night, God, if you're really real out of anger, if you're really real, reveal yourself to me. And she said, and not only that, I, want, I have a tumor right here on the side of my hip. I want you to pray for this tumor. And if you're, and if you're real, if God's real, something's going to happen with this tumor. No pressure, right? <laughs> she said, this is, the, this is why it's important for you to see yourself doing it. Because if I hadn't seen myself doing this for a year and a half, I wouldn't have been prepared for this moment when she made that statement. And so I looked at her. I said, I'm going to pray for you. I prayed for her. I ministered to her. The, the peace and the presence of God comes over her in that moment. The tumor is still there. She kind of gives this little chuckle, you know, like, I, I told you. I knew this was all nonsense. Well, she goes home that night. She goes to her nightly routine. She lays down on the bed. She wakes up the next morning. When she goes to get out of the bed, she's, when she leans out of the bed, the tumor falls off of her hip onto the floor. <laughs> I could tell that just stretched some of you. Some of you trying to figure out how it happened. Some of us know when I get to the store that day, this lady, she goes berserk. She sees the good-looking bald guy standing out there praying for people again. And she comes running out. She grabs me. She says, the tumor, it fell off onto the floor. Then it disappeared. She says, God is real. Can I be saved? I said, absolutely. I ministered a word to her. She gets saved right there on the spot. My point is this, what image do you see on the inside? Do you see yourself doing these things? Do you see yourself the way God sees you? Or do you see yourself the way the world has decreed you to be? Do you have so much value on people's opinion that their voice has, has become God's voice in your life? You need to get to a point in your walk with God that it doesn't matter what man says to you. Who died and made them God anyway? They don't know anything. Most people that criticize you will never do anything for Jesus themselves. They're just mad because you're fruitful. <laughs> to be honest with you, I've had to cast more Christians off of me than demons. 
because the religious people, they'll see how fruitful you start becoming and they'll come put their arm around you and say, William, I know you're excited about God now, but give it three years, you'll be as depressed as I am. <laughs> Man, don't let religious people put their bondage on your freedom. I even had to rebuke my pastor one time. Now, I did repent right after but he would always say to me, William, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. But Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says to set your mind on the things above. And I looked at him, I said, you know what, Pastor? I said, you're so earthly minded, you're no heavenly good. And then he started laughing at me. I think he was testing me the whole time. He started laughing at me and he said this, William, he says, this is what I love about you. Even when there's a person of influence in your life and they say something to you that contradicts God's word, you go with God's word. I'm telling you some valuable information here. This, this, listen, this is a simple concept, but this will change your life if you apply it. If you go home, start preaching to yourself in the mirror and see what happens. Now, I'm not going to lie. It's the most awkward thing I've ever done in my life. It's weird. But it changed me. It changed me. You need to be able to see yourself becoming the reflection of truth. And the only way you're going to form a new image on the inside of you is you, if you look into the spiritual mirror of God's word and allow that, that image that it has of you to be formed inside. Right after this situation, I became a pastor at this church for about five years, and then the Lord challenged me again. And just, I'm, uh, just give me a few more minutes here. And then the Lord says, now it's time for you to go to the nations of the world. He says, and I want you to partner with this man. And he brought Randy Clark's picture to my mind. At the time, I had no connection with Global Awakening. I had no connection with Randy Clark and who they were, but I didn't have any connection with them. And so... I've learned to obey the voice of God quickly before I talk myself into unbelief. And so the first thing I did was I called the board together. And we sat down and I told them, I said, listen, this is what the Lord is telling me that I need to step down from my position and I need to move here. I need to go partner with this man. This is where God has taken me. This is the next phase of my destiny. This is where God wants to use me to now go to the nations of the world. And as soon as I said that, every person in there said, oh, man, we knew this was going to happen. I said, what do you mean you knew this was going to happen? They said, man, we saw the, the calling and the destiny on your life. We didn't want to tell you because we didn't want you to leave. <laughs> Amen. I said, well, thank you for being selfish. <laughs> Pastor. If he's watching, no, he's not watching. Anyway, they said, but we want to bless you because we believe in you. You see, when you believe in you, people believe in you. They said, we believe in you and we want to bless you. They paid for both years of ministry school and for me to live for two years without me even having to work. When I get to Global Awakening, I meet Dr. Randy Clark, and Randy asked me to travel with him as an assistant. We get to Medellin, Colombia, and at the time, the largest crowd I ever ministered in was really our church, and our church was only about 500, 600 people. And 
That was the largest crowd I ever ministered in. But I had always seen myself ministering before the multitudes. And we get to the last night of this conference and, and Randy, this is how Randy is. Randy gets up, he says, you know, I've been ministering every day, four or five times a day. I'm, I'm exhausted. William, will you come up here and preach tonight? And there's about 12,000 people at this conference. And, this, and Randy gives me 20, 25 seconds to develop a message. And so I said, sure. So I get up off the, off the front row. I walk right up onto the stage. And as soon as I see the crowd, I have seen standing before that type of people so many times in my mind, there was so much confidence and so much boldness and so much comfort in my heart to be in that position that it did not scare me. I opened my mouth and all of a sudden an uproar begins and people get saved, they get healed, they get delivered. Family, I cannot emphasize this one point enough. What image do you see on the inside? What is that self-image that you have? Do you see yourself as dumb? Do you see yourself as unrighteous? Do you see yourself as sick? Do you see yourself as unlovable? Do you see yourselves as all these labels and lies? Or do you see yourself as what God says about you? If I can have on all the campuses right now, the prayer ministry team and the worship team to begin to make your way up here. I believe we're in a vital season not just in church history, but in world history right now. And I think the Lord is calling us as the people of God to come back to a place of understanding who we are. Listen, the world, you see where it's headed. You see the evil that's in the world. You see the conditions of the world. You need to be prepared to stand in the face of death and proclaim the gospel of Christ. You need to be able to stand in the face of situations in so much confidence because of the image you have on the inside, because of what you see on the inside. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.